morning. Hare ma. Anytime now. You guys doing all right? Hey! I got I got my mic trailer down the back. I mean, I don't know. That was a fist bump. That was a... All right, but some people are here, some people are awake. All right, it's good, it's good. So I want to encourage you this morning, church, as you come on in. There's probably like a million people, worship leaders this morning, right now, giving an analogy just like this, because they watched the Olympic Games ceremony the other day, <laughs> opening ceremony. But I want to encourage you guys this morning. It just kind of took my attention, you know, there's all these nations walking in to the Olympics opening ceremony, you know, they've got this person with the flag, with the honour of carrying that flag in, and there's all the people that come behind them. And I just, you know, of course, the thing that came to my mind was the crowd of witnesses yeah. in heaven yeah. cheering us on, coming into the stadium, come on. And so we come into the presence of God this morning, and I want you to think about this morning, you, you individually, you're the person who's, able, who's got the honour of holding the flag of your nation, of your tribe, of those that are to come, of your genealogy that's to come, your, your people that are to come. And you're part of a line, and you're part of a family, you're part of a huge crowd of witnesses. Yeah? So let's take that honor, let's do our, what, what we have before us this morning, which is to praise our God and to celebrate our God and lift Him up. <laughs> that's our responsibility on planet Earth, don't you think? All right, come on, let's do it. Here we go. Chains are broken as you have spoken. It is finished on the cross. Now I'm living in your freedom. Jesus, you have set me free. Jesus has set me free and I'm free in 
Father, we delight to be here this morning to praise your name, to enter into your gates with thanksgiving, into your courts with praise, that, Lord, you would be glorified and exalted in this place. 
Father, thank you for the awesome God you are. There is no limit to your love, no bound to your faithfulness. You're ever for us and ever with us. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Give your neighbor a high five as you take a seat. Great to see you this morning. Great to see you kids. How are you doing? Doing well? Excellent to see you. Well, very warm welcome to you all. If this is your first or second time to Activate Church, a special welcome to you. And uh, as you leave this morning, as you go through the auditorium doors, on the right-hand side, there will be a friendly face to welcome you. There is a little white pack there with some details about the church and the opportunity for you to fill in a form so we can get to know you better also. So church, can we put our hands together and welcome our visitors? That is fantastic. Who's had a birthday or a wedding anniversary over the last week? Any birthdays, wedding anniversaries? Who wants to join me? Get a crunchy bar, Moro bar. Well, no birthdays. Truly. Oh, Nicola. Truly, I think 21. Hi. Birthday too. Congratulations to you guys. Isn't that wonderful? So no wedding anniversaries. No engagement. Who wants a piece of chocolate? <laughs> okay. Look at all these hands in the front. I shouldn't have said that, should I? Why don't you stand with me? We're going to declare this prayer of blessing over them. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favor, prosperity, and protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness through each one. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's put our hand together. It's fantastic, you guys. Well done. Well, Pastor Sheridan and Jan share their love with you this morning. They're homeward bound after being in uh, Wales and England, celebrating the 100th uh, anniversary centennial celebrations of the Apostolic Movement worldwide. They were representing the national leadership team, uh, representing New Zealand there, along with um, other teams from all over the world, and they've had a wonderful time. They're on the way back home. Currently today, they're in Hong Kong with Grant and Vicky McAllister, and Sheridan is preaching in the church at Hong Kong. And they said they're feeling a little bit tired, but looking forward to being home, and uh, looking forward to see you all next Sunday. So that's wonderful. This coming Wednesday at uh, the 10th of August, 7 p.m., we have Rob Berg. He's a singer-songwriter. He's a very inspiring person. Uh, he's going to be uh, performing this coming Wednesday in the Youth Hall. So I really encourage you to come along and invite your friends and family. That'll be a wonderful time. Also, it's my pleasure to invite Nicole. She's going to come and share with us. Let's give her a hand as she comes. Thanks, Ray. So not this Thursday, but the following one, which is Thursday the 18th at 7.30pm. We're going to be really blessed to have Mark Powell come and speak on leadership and uh, also how you can influence um, or have a sphere of influence in the business um, or community, school, or wherever you work. And this is something that we're really focused on at Activate Church, you know, what we can do to influence for the good um, our community and the people we work with. So Mark Powell is, um, was the CEO of the Warehouse Group. Um, this is an organisation that's obviously had huge impact on New Zealand and it will be great to come along and hear about how his walk and his journey has been um, as a Christian leader in New Zealand. So come along Thursday week at 7.30pm. Thanks.
Thanks, Nicole. That's wonderful. And on Sunday, the 21st of August, at all our three gatherings, we have Pastor Ian Green from the UK. He'll be with us. He's been with us previously. He's a wonderful guy. And if you've heard him before, I know you'll be in for a great treat. So that's wonderful. Well, kids, are you ready to go? Before you go, do you want to hear a really good story? Okay. Wendy and I, we were in Napier yesterday celebrating uh, with a friend of ours an 80th birthday party. That's really old, isn't it? But Mary, she doesn't look 80. She looks about 50. She's really bright and sprightly. And so we went over there to celebrate with her, and we were expecting that we're going to leave uh, yesterday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and be back in Hamilton by, say, 7. But as you probably are aware, the uh, Taupo Napier Road was all closed because of snow. So we thought we're going to have to head down to Palmerston North, which we did, go through the Manawatu Gorge, and then we're coming up to Wairu, and the desert road is closed with snow. So then we go through National Park, and it's snowing there, and I'm thinking, oh no, don't tell me they're going to close this road as well. But thankfully we got through. But as we were driving by a place called Dannyverk, remember when I was about 10 years of, um, old, we had a caravan, we'd go on holiday, and uh, this particular holiday brought my cat with me. And um, <laughs> my cat's name was Noddy. <laughs> it was a lovely um, grey and white cat. I haven't told you about Noddy before. And, uh, but Noddy was lovely. <clears throat> so I wanted to take Noddy on holiday with me, and, uh, which I did. But while we were in Dannyverk in the camp, we lost Noddy. And Noddy ran off with the other cats. Uh, <laughs> there was all these feral cats, these wild cats, and Noddy ran off with them. And um, I was really upset, as you can imagine, because I lost my pussy, my cat. And I um, said to mum and dad, we can't leave. And they said, well, we have to. We've got to go on, on holiday. And so about two months later, we went in to visit uh, my auntie and uncle in Waipakarau, which is near Dannyverk. And uh, unbeknown to me, um, they said, oh, just let's go through the town. Let's just get somebody we're going to visit. So we go and visit them. And as we go into their place, there is my cat. Noddy, two months later, and as I was driving through Denver, I haven't thought about the story for years, and I thought about the generosity of my parents. My mum and my dad just worked behind the scenes. They didn't tell me a thing about it, and there was Noddy, and I was so happy. And I, I want to say to each of you children this morning, God has wonderful surprises in store for you. As Noddy was a wonderful surprise for me, God loves you, and He has great surprises. So be expectant. God has great surprises for you. They're just around the corner for you. So you're going to enjoy God today and, and uh, having a wonderful time. Thank you, leaders. You're amazing. And uh, let's give the leaders a, an incredible hand. And uh, I hope you enjoyed the story about Noddy. <laughs> you can go now, guys. Aren't they amazing? They really are. You know, life is never meant to be boring, isn't it? It's meant to be enjoyed, and uh, it certainly is. So it's my pleasure to invite Dominique. She's going to come and share communion with us. Great. Dominique is an amazing person. She's involved with Senior Link, with Gloria and the team. And she serves. I just want to honor you. You're an amazing server. You truly are. And uh, we're so blessed that you're part of our church. We really, really are. We love you guys. We love 
uh, Russell and your family. So thank you for who you are and all that you do. Thank you, Pastor Ray. Um, it's actually a, a, a special honor for me to be here today and, and to sit and just share this message with you. So the host teams are handing out the emblems right now. So um, Sarah asked me a couple of months ago if I would share this communion service today. And I've just been having all these thoughts going through my mind. And my personal journey with God has just taken me to different places and shown me amazing things. And um, I thought, well, how can I just put it in a three-minute communion service? And um, if you allow me, I could speak for the rest of the service, but I, I'll try and keep it short. So um, I think it's all come together this morning. So the meaning of communion to me is just the amazing gift of love and celebration of love and the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus did for us. As it says in John 3:16, so God loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal love, uh, eternal life. And isn't that amazing that each of us can have eternal love for the greatest sacrifice that was ever made for all of us. The gift of eternal life in heaven, the love of our heavenly father. And I often think of myself in different circumstances and I think, oh, it's too hard, I can't do this. But then I just look up to the love of my heavenly father and that compares beyond anything or anything that I am at that moment. So no matter what life throws at me, um, what circumstances I am, that I think I'm at the end of my rope, I can't carry on anymore, I just look up and say, thank you, Jesus, for loving me, for carrying me through every situation. So let's put aside all the worldly things and just focus on Jesus. Put him first in everything that we do, no matter what the circumstances is. And let us not just praise God on Sundays, but every day. And even though we don't do communion every day, we can do God every day. So um, I'll just wait on the host team. And then as we take the emblems together, just remember and celebrate this amazing gift that was given to us, the gift of Jesus' love. I've just got a verse here from 1 Corinthians 11:26. It says, as Paul said, for, whomso, well, for whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And we all await this day for when he comes again and we can just stand with him again and celebrate this eternal love with our Heavenly Father. So I'll just pray this prayer and I say, thank you, Heavenly Father, for the greatest gift of all. Thank you, Jesus, that you loved us so much that he paid the price for our sins to give us this gift of eternal love. Amen.
Stirring inside our heart. That's a realization of God's love for us. And we want to love Him right back. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. 
Father, we thank You. God, there is no one like You. You are absolutely worthy. And Father, thank You for the awesome privilege it is to come into Your presence. Father, thank You for Your immense love favor to each one of us, Lord. Thank You, Father, for Your extravagant kindness, Your wonderful goodness, and Your absolute focus on each of us. Father, thank You that You lift us from every Mari clay, and You set our feet on the rock, Christ Jesus, for this is where we are to stay, in Your presence, Lord. Hallelujah. Church, can I encourage you to raise your hands to heaven and receive of the Lord. Father, I pray as our hearts are open and as our hands are raised to you, that, Lord, you would pour out your grace afresh. Father, you would refresh every one of us. You would lift and strengthen every heart and every soul. That, Father, we would live like Jesus. Lord, not out of our own strength, but empowered by your grace. Father, thank you for your everlasting grace, your everlasting kindness. Right now we receive it, Lord. Father, I pray as the very dew from heaven would fall, that would fall into our hands and our hearts and our minds. Right this very moment, Lord, we receive healing receive your goodness. We receive your strength. Lord, we exchange our weaknesses for your strengths. We exchange our failings for your victory. Hallelujah. You're an awesome God. You're an awesome God and we praise you. Yeah, let's put our hands together and exalt His holy name. You're worthy, Lord. Worthy of all praise. Worthy of all glory, and we exalt you, Jesus. We glorify, be magnified in this place in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. God is awesome. Isn't God awesome? He truly is. Why don't you give your neighbor a high five as you take a seat? I just want to encourage this fine young man, I've forgotten your name, sorry, with the cap and uh, the sort of purple top. Yeah, you. <laughs> Stacy. I believe the Lord wants to really encourage you this morning, Stacy, that you'd be one like a rock. That others would say, go this way or go that way. You say, no, I'm going in the way of the Lord. He is the way I've chosen. He is the way that I've committed to. And rather than responding to other ways, you can say to those people, so come along this way. It's a good way. It's the way of life. And so be encouraged in that God is with you. That's very, very cool. God bless you. Well, church, it's my pleasure to invite Chris, the CEO of ATC. He's a wonderful person, him and his wife, Moira. And we're so blessed to have you as part of our faith community. Chris, we really honor you and thank you for who you are and all that you do. So church, let us put our hands together and welcome Chris as he comes this morning. Thanks, Ray. Thank you. <clears throat> I'll leave my ATC hat on just for a moment.
you're thinking about further education, I'm going to have a free plug here. <coughs> it's all glorious for the church. If you think about education next year, uh, ATC or Vision College, if you like, has some great opportunities for you. Uh, we're going to have three diplomas in place that you can do while serving the church, internship-based. You can do the normal ministry internship. It takes one year to get a diploma. Or you can do the business diploma. Uh, or you can do, uh, we're hoping to have in place a music diploma as well. So you can do that by internship. And uh, you can serve the church while going to about five block courses a year. Uh, plus some online material, and uh, you can come out with a business diploma, New Zealand business uh, diploma in business, which is a national qualification, or you can come out with a ministry diploma, or you can come out with a music diploma. So just, if you're thinking about that sort of thing, there's great opportunities for you to serve and learn and go ahead uh, for you next year. Right, take that hat off. Thanks, um, Caleb and uh, Brett and all the rest of the band. That was brilliant. Appreciate that. I... Uh, Choosing what screen size to use this morning, so I decided to go for the small one. <clears throat> Don't you live by screens? No, I've got to work, look on this medium-sized screen and then I check my little screen to see what I've got on that night to come home and watch the big screen. And then I read the little screen with my Bible before I go to bed and then I check my little screen in the morning to go back to my middle-sized screen to watch the big screen at church. To... <laughs> and you feel like you're just a life of screens, don't you? That's, that's what life's about. <clears throat> anyway, what I want to talk about this morning, and I've titled this... Uh, this word, God said. God said. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1.1. And in verse 3, it says, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Because, you know, if God says something, it's going to happen, isn't it? And then God said, 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 and then God said. Seven times God said over six days, and the the earth and the sun and the moon and the stars all got created and uh, all the plant life, the trees and the herbs of the field and, and so on all got created and all the fish of the sea and the whales and everything else that's in there and all the beasts of the land uh, got created and all the birds that fly over hot top and mankind got created as well. All because God said and God said and God said and it happened. Because everything God says has got the power in it to create what he says and bring it to pass, hasn't it? What he says contains the power to create things from nothing. In Isaiah 55 verse 11, it says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it will prosper in the thing for which I sent it. It will not return to me void. God's always looking for a return, and he always gets a return on his word. He sends it out, and it doesn't come back. It's like it's scared to come back because it's got to do what it's told to do. You know? He puts it out there. It's got the power to produce and create whatever he said. Amen? He doesn't make idle conversation, obviously. He doesn't turn around and say, oh, damn that world. Oh, done, gone. You know? Everything he says is going to happen, so he's got to think twice about anything he says, doesn't he? We're created in his image. In the image of God, he created mankind. And our words have a certain amount of power, don't they? If I say I can't do something, I really believe that I can't and I don't do it. If I tell someone they're useless, what do they feel like? Feel useless. If I say God's word doesn't work, then I deny myself the blessing. I have a certain amount of power. Can you imagine if you had uh, God's power and every single word you said came to pass? Would you think twice about what you said? 
you know, I, I'm not going to just suddenly spout something, oh, is that good? No, you know, okay. It'll become, hopefully, it would come blessing and encouragement and, you know, everything you said. You would sp- try and speak out life all the time. Not a bad thought, is it? How many words would you want to take back? About yourself or others? Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. We are created in the image of God and he creates the universe, maintains it, restores it and heals it by his word. How important are ours? But God's words have real power, don't they? God's words create something from nothing. They don't just affect our character. They go further than that. Isaiah 55 said, It shall not return to me void, but will accomplish what I please. But I really like what the message says here. They won't come back to me empty-handed. They'll complete the assignment I gave them. God's words have an assignment. Have you ever thought about that? They go out with an assignment, a mission. I'm out on the mission and I'm going to do whatever they, those words say. Those words are going to do what they said. They're going to come back and they're going to produce the result. And God's not interested in anything that doesn't produce a result. Don't bury the talents in the ground. Everything God does has a return, has a result. That's how he lives. That's how he works. Everything he says happens. You know, I was thinking about people in the Old Testament and how God works through, moving on from Genesis, but going on to like Abraham. Abraham believed God's promise for a child. He said, your descendants are going to be like the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. You're going to be so many you can't count them. And 20 years or so, God, uh, Abraham was waiting for the promise of this child to come. And he's 99 years old, you know, and still believing for this child to come. And God thought, I'll go down and give Abram a, he- a help. He went down to Abram and he said, Abram, I'm going to change your name to Abraham. I'm going to change your name from Abram to father of many nations. And every time you uh, say hello to someone, you say, hi, I'm father of many nations. And every time you're your servants come in from the field, they're going to say, Father of many nations, what do we do with these sheep? And every time Sarah calls out to you, Father of many nations, tea's ready. Right? Every time we're going to mention something about you, we're going to declare what the promise is. 20 years he had been waiting for a child. Within 12 months, Isaac was born. It takes nine months from conception to birth, which means it's less than three months for it to work. After 20 years waiting, because he declared the word of God at every opportunity. And got the promise. Moses saw this burning bush, didn't he? And he thought, wow, you know, God thunders down this voice and everything. It's incredible, you know. Man, you're going to go off and you're going to save my people and deliver them out of Egypt and so on. Brilliant. Goes off and he's got this staff and he goes in front of Pharaoh and he can throw it on the ground and it turns into a snake and it eats up all the other snakes. And, you know, he's got his hand pulls out and it's got leprosy and then it's gone again, you know. Pretty cool. And Pharaoh says, I'm not impressed, go away. He goes outside and Pharaoh's made all the Israelites work harder because of it. And they had to go and find their own straw and everything. And they're all moaning and groaning. Saying, Who asked you to come here? Go away, we don't even want you as a leader. You know, we're happy here, just leave us alone. Everything was turning to custard. You know, God and this great word and everything just, no one wanted him. But he hung in on the word of God and there's some incredible, miraculous things happen with those plagues, with the parting of the Red Sea, with, with speaking to a rock and it gushed out water to, to, to feed, well, to give um, water to millions of people. The, uh, you know, the, the manna arrived on the ground in the morning 
and uh, fed them like bread and quail flew in every night. Millions of people for 40 years. That's just, it's mind-boggling what God did in front of those, those people to show his power because Moses didn't give up on what God told him to do and what he said. After Moses um, went on, Joshua took over. And in, jo- in Joshua chapter 1, it says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Not from your eyes, from your mouth. You need to speak it forth. But you shall meditate in it day and night, and ma- it'll make your way prosperous, and you'll have good success. That was the success. That was the key to Joshua's success. Taking his word and believing it and speaking it forth. His word always works, never fails, always comes to pass. God says something, it's done, it's finished, isn't it? Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful. Living and powerful, it's alive. It doesn't matter whether it's on an electronic device, it doesn't matter if it's on paper, that's not an important thing, but his word is alive, it changes lives. It has the power. You know, if you go through the, the New Testament, it has the power to create salvation, doesn't it? Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Everyone who believes. It's the power of God. When we preach forth, you know, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life, we're putting forth the word of God and anyone who receives that word in their hearts, the faith will be created for them to receive and become a child of God. It's the word of God that does the work. God's word has the power and authority, the spiritual substance. It's alive, it's real. It produces faith in the hearts. In Mark 4.14 talking about the parable of the sower. The sower sows the word. So we sow the word of God. In fact, you'll find in Acts a couple of times it says the word multiplied and spread. It was the word that multiplied and spread because everyone who received and believed received the word. And it's the word that grows in our hearts and produces the fruit. It's not our works. It's the word in us that does it. The sower sows the word and it's sown in our hearts The word of God is a seed. You see, the the seed comes like with spiritual DNA within it, if you like, to produce what it's designed to produce. It's alive and active. And we've got a piece of ground in here called our spirit, and we plant that when we receive it and believe it. And we plant it in our hearts, and it starts to grow, and it produces the fruit of the spirit. Not our works, but the word does in us. The word grows and multiplies. When Jesus gave the parable of the sower out, he said, look, if you don't understand this parable, how are you going to understand all the parables? He was saying, if you don't get the concept that the seed is the word of God in your hearts, you're not going to really get the whole picture here. It's so important. It has the power to change the natural world to conform to the spiritual world. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's by the word that's going to make that happen. By the word of God going out into the world and making that happen. Because Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But so often, you know, we come to the Lord through salvation and understand that it's all by grace and it's not by us, but we get caught up in trying to be better people instead of being caught up in trying to believe his word, looking into this as his mirror of who we are created in Christ Jesus. God's word has the power of the universe and God said and it was, all things are possible to them who believe. Amen? Not all things are possible to them who come to church every week. All those, all things are possible to them who believe. 
But we have to choose, don't we? So often we have mountains come up before us. And by mountains, I mean things that rise up before us, things that try and keep us off the path, things that try and make us feel small and weak and, and beaten down. You know, problems and sickness and lack and various other things, with worries and stress and so forth that try and bring us down below what God has created us in Christ Jesus. But we've got to take the word of God and say, no, I'm throwing that mountain into the sea. I'm moving that mountain out of the way. And his word is capable of doing that. And I just want to go through three particular points quickly about the word of God that I want to share with you this morning. Three points about God's word from the stories in the Bible. The first one is guard yourself against doubt. Guard yourself against doubt. In Matthew 5, 21 to 42, we see the story of Jesus came back across the Sea of Galilee and he landed on the shore and a great crowd gathered around him. And Jairus, one of the leaders of the synagogue there, came up to Jesus and said, Oh Lord, you know, if you just come and lay your hands on my daughter, she's at the point of death, but if you just quickly come and lay your hands on my daughter, she will live. And Jesus saw his faith and went with him. And along the path a certain way, some people came from his home and said, Jairus, I'm sorry, but you know, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter's passed away. It's too late. She's gone. There's no point in asking him to come anymore. As soon as Jesus heard that word, as soon as he heard that, <clears throat> he said, do not fear, only believe. Do not fear, only believe. And you know what he did next? He got rid of all the doubt. He took Peter, James, and John, and Jairus, and himself, and he stopped everyone else coming with him. Everyone else stayed back, just those people. He couldn't have the doubt anymore. They had to stay away because he's believing for a miracle here. He's joining with Jairus' faith here. And so they walked on to the house, and when they got there, there's a whole lot of people mourning and crying over the, the dead daughter. And he said, why are you weeping? She's not dead, but just asleep. And they ridiculed him. They laughed at him, and he put them all out. Second time, get rid of all the doubt, get rid of all the doubt, move it out. Just those three disciples and the mum and dad and Jesus went in there to the little girl. And he laid his hand on her like Jairus had believed. He said, come and lay your hands on her and she will live. He laid his hand on her and said, little girl, arise. And she came to life and he gave it back to his, his mum and dad. It's a mighty miracle, but he had to fight unbelief all the way. He had to fight doubt all the way and move it out, move it out, move it out. Stay with the faith, stay with the faith, stay with the word of God. Don't entertain seeds of doubt. <clears throat> doubt tries to hit every one of us. No one is excluded from doubt attacking you. No one is excluded from worry or stress or fear attacking you. It's what you do when it comes is the point. When it comes into your mind, you don't take hold of it and say, yeah, no, I can't do that. No, it's not going to work. You have to battle it. You have to put it out. The storm will come, but what do you do in the middle of the storm? Don't plant that seed. In the parable of the sower, the, the second to last ground is the seed is growing and the word of God is growing, but all these other seeds are planted and the cares of this world and everything come up. They choke the word and there's no fruit. There's no end product from what you're believing for because the cares of this world are coming in and they're just choking the word. We have to garden our heart. Amen? We have to garden our heart. So don't let the seeds of doubt come in. You know, if things come into your mind, the only thing you speak out is the Word of God. Yeah, you have a battle in your head, but just keep your heart going right. Number two, don't make circumstances your theology. 
Partway along the road when he's going with Jairus to go and heal the daughter. <coughs> Excuse me. Must have got carried away in the first service. He's going along the road. And the woman with an issue of blood came along. And she'd been having bleeding issues for about 12 years. And I don't, that must have been so tiring and draining. 12 years. She'd spent everything she had going to every physician she could find and, and trying to get healed. And nothing made her well. She could have turned around and said, look, it's been 12 years, I've spent everything, I've lost everything in trying to heal this. God obviously doesn't want to heal me. It can't be God's will for me to be healed. I must be given a, this must be my thorn in the flesh that I have to put up with. It must be something that I'm going to learn some great lesson out of than God's given me the sickness. She didn't take any of that road. She said, all I have to do is get to the Word of God. All I have to get to Jesus, who is the Word of God, isn't he? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, John 1.1. 1, 1. If I can go and touch the Word of God, I'll be healed. And she went through and pushed through the crowd, and she touched Jesus' garment, the hem of his garment, and she was instantly healed by her own faith, Jesus said. But she didn't give up. She didn't change the circumstances, but she didn't change the Word of God to fit the circumstances. We've all failed at various times. We've all uh, tried to believe God, and it hasn't quite come to pass. But do we change the word to fit the circumstances or do we take the word of God and change the circumstances? Amen. It's a choice all the time. When my kids were learning to walk and they came to me and they fell over, I didn't tell them off. I didn't tell them I failed. I said, well done. Wow, you got a few steps. Brilliant. You're learning. You know, you're going on. God has the same idea. He doesn't kick us down when we don't quite get there. He says, you did really well. Try again. Next time, get up. Go on. You know, learn. My word will work. When I was uh, 18, I think I was, 18, 19, I'd just become a Christian, hadn't been a Christian very long, two or three months, and I ran at some friend's place, <clears throat> and we were playing frisbee, as you do, and uh, someone threw it to me, and they threw it too high, and it went over the fence, so I climbed over the six-foot fence, went and got the frisbee, uh, threw it back to my friends, jumped off the top of the six-foot fence, back onto the grass, not realizing there's a bit of a dip in the grass at one point. As I came down, my left ankle twisted over, and I heard this loud snap noise and uh, fell to the ground. And I thought, that did not sound very good, and it doesn't feel very good, and I'm pretty positive I just broke my ankle. You know, of all the crazy things you do in your life and you break your ankle playing frisbee, it's, it's just not an impressive story. <clears throat> but... I thought, you know, I, I praise God that right on the start of my Christian journey, I had a couple of men that actually shared the, the message of faith with me and inspired me along this, this way. And I praise God for hearing that early on. And I thought, man, 1, jo uh, 1 Peter 2.24 says that by whose stripes I have been healed. I can take the word of God. The word of God is real. It's real for my salvation. Then everything's real. Everything must be real. How can one bit not be real and the other bit, you know, that's where I was going. And I thought, all I've got to do is just jump up, you know, because faith without works is dead, as James says, right? <clears throat> I've just got to jump up in the name of Jesus, and I'm, <clears throat> I'm healed. <clears throat> and my voice is perfect. Um, so I jumped up and, uh, in the name of Jesus, and I thought, oh, okay, and I got right up on my feet, and then, praise God, this is going to be a testimony to all my non-Christian you know, people around here, and this is going to just bless God and everything else. And I'm on my feet, and brilliant, and then... I was back on my <laughs> backside in pain. 
pretty immediately. And uh, I thought, oh, God's word's real. I must have done something wrong. So I thought, okay, what did I do? What did I do? I'm thinking quickly because everyone's looking at me. I I got up and put most of my weight on my good leg. If I really believe I'm healed, I've got to jump up and put most of my weight on that broken one. I mean, that's faith, isn't it? So I get up again, you know. If, If it doesn't work the first time, try again. So I jumped up again in the name of Jesus. I didn't say anything out loud, by the way. And I jumped up again, and in my head I was saying, oh, praise God, by whose stripes I've been healed. I jumped up, and I'm healed in the name of Jesus. And you know what happened? I didn't get as high as the first time. (laughs) I fell down on the ground in more excruciating pain this time. And I thought, hmm, discretion might be the better part of valor at this point. So I hobbled over to the the deck, and uh, I just watched my ankle swell up, and I did not know skin could stretch that far. I had this big, fat ankle that didn't look very healthy. And so a friend of mine drove me around. I'm, yeah, this is rural New Zealand, you know, no hospital nearby. It, back decades ago, Sunday afternoon, trying to find the emergency doctor. Some of you can relate to that. And I found him eventually, and he had a quick look, and he said, oh, I'm pretty, pretty positively you've broken your ankle. Uh, you know, I'd be pretty sure of that. But come back tomorrow, and we'll do an X-ray. I mean, you don't even get an aspirin in those days. I mean... Nothing, not a bandage, no nothing. Just come back tomorrow. So I did. Got a couple of, couple of hours sleep that night. Came, I went and got a, a, an x-ray because he had to go and get it at the x-ray place. Had a look on the way back, had a sneak look, which is quite cool. I thought, man, I don't have to be a doctor. There's a, there's a black line, jagged line through there, and it's pretty obvious about a quarter of an inch wide that I've snapped off the joint. So anyway, I came back in and gave it to the doctor, and he put the plaster on, and, and out I go with crutches on. This is three weeks before Christmas. And I had planned to go over with some friends, Christmas, you know, break up north, beaches, you know, surf, you know. <laughs> Crutches and a plaster is just not fun. And I thought, God, I don't want this. This is not what your word says. And I'm at home thinking about all this stuff and thinking it through. And about three days after, I thought, you know, I might not have had the faith to do this amazing miracle at the time or didn't understand exactly how to work it, but I can still believe. I can still believe now. And so I started feeding on those promises of God about healing again and confessing them out and and doing everything I could and reading books about it and just going for it, you know. And I thought, I can walk on this, you know. (laughs) And that was about all because it was really sore to put any weight on it. And I thought, but God is bigger than this. And anyway, I kept, kept believing. And after about a week, I thought, man, you know, it's not quite so bad. I can put a little bit more weight on it now. And I got into my van, and it was all the pain I could hack to put the clutch down because it's a manual, you know. Okay, here we go. And after two weeks, I'm walking like this. You know, the only difference is I've got this plaster on my foot that the whole bottom of it's broken away, and I've got this, like, barefoot on the ground, but this plaster around. Because <laughs> I've been walking on it so much. So I went back into the, into the doctors and uh, I said, look, I've got to see the, the doctor and get this plaster off. And this nurse told me off and she was one of those nurses you think, I'm not disobeying you. <laughs> so I got, I got back on my crutches, you know. And uh, I went in to see the doctor and he said, look, there's no way in two weeks that your ankle is healed. You, you're not doing yourself any help and uh, you really need to keep off it. We're going to take this off, going to put another plaster on and you're going to have to do as you're told. And I'm just in my head. I didn't say anything. I didn't argue with the doctor. I said, God, you and I both know this ankle's been healed. You and I both know this is done. And I'm asking you to make a way somehow to not get another plaster on. 
and, you know, just trusting him and him and just declaring it. Anyway, he's cutting off this old plaster and he just gets it off and he says, oh, while we've got the old one off, we might just get another x-ray just to check how it's going, see if it's mending okay. And I thought, thank you, God, thank you, God. It's going to prove to him that my ankle's okay. So I whipped down to get another x-ray. You know, I had another look on the way back. I, I can't find anything wrong with this. Where, where was the break, you know, in this x-ray? I'm no medical expert, of course. So I came back in, and, and the nurse took the x-ray. And she said, oh, that's really weird. There's no bone scar tissue, so on. And the doctor came in, and he had a look at it, and he said, oh, uh, uh, oh if you ever have any problems, come back and see me. And I walked out of there. That, that ankle was healed. You know, it was brilliant. But it wasn't about me. It was about the Word of God. It's about the Word of God because His Word never fails if we don't give up on it. And the third one, the third point, it's not about us. It's all about Jesus. All right? In Matthew 14, 25 to 32, we hear the story about Jesus sent his disciples across the lake to go to, to, go to the other side. And he, it was the evening time, and he went off to pray. And at midnight, the, the disciples are still trying to get across the lake, and the storm's blowing and so on. And Jesus comes walking on the water. Comes walking across the water, and the disciples see him and say, Oh, they freak out. It's a ghost. And Jesus yells out and said, Don't be afraid. It's me. And Peter, who I always admire, I was saying in the last service, You know, if I was in that boat... I would not have been the Peter. I would have been one of the other 11 disciples. You try it, Peter, and if it works for you, then I might give it a go. But he was out there, wasn't he? He said, if it's you, Lord, bid me come. If you, Lord, tell me come. And Jesus said, come. One word, four letters, come. That one word was enough of a seed to plant in Peter's heart to leap out and stand on that water and it held him, and he walked on the water. That one word was enough from God to create the power to do a mighty miracle. One word. And Peter got out of that boat, and he's held onto the, the side of the boat, <clears throat> and he had his eyes on the word of God. Amen? Eyes on the word of God. But he had to make a decision right then. He said, I've stepped out, and I've started this miracle, and I've started believing in the word but I've got to let go of my security. I've got to let go of everything that has been my safety. I've got to let everything go that were my circumstances here. I'm a fisherman. This is, this is my safety. You get out of that boat, you die. In the middle of the night, in the middle of a storm, that's, that's just freak out territory for a fisherman. If you get out of the boat, right? Who's going to find you? But he said, I have to let go of that and I have to trust in Jesus. And faith is a difficult one to have a plan B because if you've got a plan B, then you don't believe in plan A, right? That's, that's, the, that's the scary bit. I'm going out on plan A and there is no plan B. But he did that. He let go and he walked to Jesus and he walked almost all the way to Jesus. And at the last moment, as he's walking on the water to Jesus, he takes his eyes off the word of God and starts looking at the circumstances. Starts looking at the wind and the waves. The wind and the waves weren't holding him up anyway. But he got his eye off the word of God and started seeing the circumstances and doubt came in and he started to sink and he cried out to Jesus. And Jesus reached out his hand and grabbed him and he said, why did you doubt? You have little faith. You know, you were almost there. But he did do the miracle. You know, I don't like to put down Peter because there's 11 people who didn't try it. <laughs> and he got out there and did it. And that's brilliant. But the point I want to bring out is that when Peter yelled out and said, Jesus, if that's you... Tell me to come. 
Jesus didn't turn around and said, I'm sorry, Peter, this this sort of miracle only happens with prayer and fasting. This sort of miracle only happens if you have not missed church once this year. This sort of miracle only happens if you have read your Bible diligently. It was none of that because it was not about us. It's about Jesus. It's about his word. It's not about our works. It's not about whether we're good or bad. You know, someone who gets healed isn't a better person than anyone else. They've just believed. It's about what God has done for us. You know, we came to that with salvation. You know, we came to his grace. And yet sometimes along the way, we get caught up and we have to be good. And yet all we have to do is actually get into his word and believe and the Holy Spirit will change our lives. Use this as a mirror and become what Jesus has said we have become in him. So it's not about us. It's all about God. And his word is sufficient. His word always comes to pass if we don't give up on it, if we don't let the seeds of doubt in, if we just trust in it and we push forward. It always happens. Amen? So I've said all that to get to this point because I always like to give a challenge. There are probably many of us here today who have a challenge coming against their lives in some form or another. They come, all right? And we have to combat them and throw them out and believe in God. It might be a pain or a sickness or a disease or or something else that's uh, getting to you. It might be some other aspect of of need that you have, some financial need, something else. It doesn't matter what it is, but I just wondered if right now in your mind you can think now, okay, I've got this challenge coming against my life, this mountain that's risen up before me. Let's just imagine one promise of God. If you can think of one promise of God that, that covers that particular challenge. It might be 1 Peter 2.24 if it's a sickness, that by his stripes I have been healed. It might be Matthew 8.17 that, that says he took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. You know, it might be something else. It might be worry and stress that you need to get off and you need the peace of God upon your life. Whatever that particular challenge is, find a promise in your mind right now and think that promise is enough. One word was enough for Peter to walk on the water. Come. One promise is enough to supply your need. Right? And I always like to think we need to make a demonstration to God. And I'm not asking to do it to me at all for me. But I always like to say, if that's what I want to do, let's make a symbol that I move forward on. Let's say the word is enough. It doesn't matter how you enact that. It doesn't matter if it's for healing and you think you want to go to the doctor. But don't dare go to the doctor without trusting in God. If you know what I mean? Let him work through those circumstances. Don't go to the bank for a loan without trusting in God that he's going to work that out for you. I mean, trust in God all the way and his word will work. So if that is your situation and you've got a promise in your mind and you want to receive it, I would just ask you to raise your hand to God and say, I'm going to start walking in this word. I'm going to start believing this right now. And I'm just going to walk this way. It may be instantaneous. It may take a while. It doesn't matter. But if you want to just say to God, look, I'm going to trust in your word today, Lord. I'm going to be set free from this challenge. I'm going to move this mountain. I'm going to tell it to be cast into the sea. I'm going to get rid of this thing out of my life. Right now, I'm going to start confessing what your word says. I'm going to say what you said, Lord. Not what I think, not in the weakness of who I am, but in the greatness of who you've made me in Christ. Amen? Okay, let's just pray together and believe as brothers and sisters for a moment.
Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your promises. I thank you for the promises that have been in the minds of the people here today that put up their hands. And I thank you, Father, that you will fulfill those. You said where two or three are gathered in your name, there are you in the midst. And whatever we ask, we receive. And I just received together with my brothers and sisters this morning, Lord, those uh, answers to prayer, those blessings, those promises. We just declare those are real in every situation here this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Great. And I just, one last thing I want to do before I sit down. I just ask if we can all close our eyes for a moment and just think about Jesus. He's a great and mighty God. He is a wonderful Savior who's done so much for us. <clears throat> and I just, I just love him because of all the things he's done and not because of I am anything. Uh, man, I just thank him for what he's done in my life. If you've seen me before Christ, you'd think I'd done a good work so far. Still a few bits to go. But I just want to encourage you this morning, if you don't know Jesus, just while everyone's eyes closed, and I'm not going to embarrass anyone, if you want to receive him, if you want to start this relationship this morning, and it's not to me, and it's not joining the church, it's saying to Jesus, I want you in my life. I want to actually experience this love. I want to get free from all the stress and these things that are carrying me or pulling me down. If you want to receive that this morning, I just ask you to raise your hand and make a, make a commitment to say, I'm going to change my life here. I'm going to receive Jesus into my heart. I'm going to say, I'm going to walk with him from this moment forward. If you want to do that, just raise your hand now, and I'll just acknowledge you, and we'll pray together. If that's what you want to do, he's a good God, and he's worthy of being followed. It may be that everyone here this morning is, is a believer, and that's great if that's the case. Thank you. See your hand. Right? But God is good, isn't he? He's worthy, worthy. And I don't want anyone to walk out of here and not started that relationship. Not started that relationship. So let's just pray together with those one or two that have received that this morning. And let's all pray together this simple prayer if you want to follow after me. Jesus, I believe that you died for me and that you rose from the dead. I confess that you are my Lord my Savior, my God in who I trust. I receive your salvation. From this moment forward, I will live for you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you very much. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Chris. What an encouraging word. Fantastic. I love the testimony of the healing of the ankle. Great stuff. That's awesome. Well, church, we're shortly going to uh, be closing, but uh, our children, for mums and dads, can you please remember to collect them? Uh, the youth leaders would really appreciate that. The take-home question this morning is, what dreams do you have for the future? What dreams do you have for the future? Well, that's a great great statement, isn't it? I'll, I'll share this very briefly. I, I met a man on Thursday. It's probably the pastor of the world's largest church. You probably would never have heard of his name. It's not uh, Dr. Yongi Cho in South Korea. It's the name of Peter Yongzi. And he pastors a church, an underground church in China with 20 million believers. And uh, when you, I, I heard this man speak and he's an incredibly humble person. And I heard others speak with, with very large churches as well. And 
So I just, just hearing them, and this is what they say, and they say the first thing we do is pray. We pray and we pray and we pray. And the second thing we do is pay, and we pay and we pay. And then the third thing we do is play. We have a lot of fun serving the Lord. And it was just inspirational to hear their stories of, and they've been through some very challenging times, there's no doubt about it. But their commitment to prayer what is really what set them apart. Once again, it's the grace of God that enables them to pray. And so, church, I want to really encourage you to come out to Tuesday prayer gatherings at 7.30. It's an hour long. And it's a wonderful time for us to gather and seek God and pray to Him. And if you're not able to make it, can I encourage you to do this? And I've, I've said this many times. When you hop out of bed in the morning, sitting on the side of your bed, doesn't have to be a long prayer. I pray this most days. And I, I say, Father, I have my hands open. I receive your grace, the empowerment of your Holy Spirit to live the way you want me to live today. As you look through all the book of Acts, you'll see Paul and Silas and many of the other apostles saying that they continued to rely on the grace of God. They encouraged the believers to rely on the grace of God. They performed signs and wonders by the grace of God. They spoke the word of God boldly through the grace of God. And so as you make that simple thing in the morning on the side of your bed, it's not a long prayer, but Lord, I ask for and I receive your grace to be like Jesus. Can I encourage you to do that, church? And we will be the people that God is calling us to be more and more transformed into the image of Jesus. It's really easy. You're saying, yeah, I will. I'll respond to the word of God. Secondly, as I um, mentioned before, um, the Rob Burke concert uh, is this uh, Wednesday at 7 p.m. Love to see you there. And... Um, Let's be purposed in our giving. As we give this morning, may God bless you. I'm going to be praying for that shortly, and that will be really, really good. If you have a prayer need, feel free to come forward. The team would love to pray with you. And this evening, I'm speaking on change. So that'll be a change to speak about change. So uh, church, let's stand to our feet, and we'll pray, and then the team will lead us in, in a song as we close. So Father, we thank you for the wonderful opportunity to be in your house this morning. Lord, to worship you, to be under your word. Thank you for such a wonderful word that has encouraged and strengthened our faith in you, Lord. And Father, as we go today, I pray as we give of our tithes and our offerings, that Lord, you bless every giver. Lord, these gifts, we place them in your hands, Lord, that you would multiply them, that they would be effective for spreading the good news of Jesus, not only in this city, but in this nation and the nations. May you be glorified through it in Jesus' name. And Father, we afresh thank you for your grace, your amazing grace that empowers us to be like Jesus whenever, wherever. Lord, in the office place, in the factory, in the university, at the Wintech, at at home in our neighborhood, may we be like Jesus, sharing your good news and seeking your face everywhere. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you, church. All right, let's praise our God. Just one more time to go out. You are here. You are here. As we lift you up, you are riding on our brain.